Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody-Mills. And I'm Torre, or as my friends in the streets call me, Corn Pop. Yeah, and my friends in the street call me Cocoa Pops, because all the girls go cuckoo for Cocoa Pops. <laughs> Thanks, Joe Biden. We will get to the fuckery that is Joe Biden in a moment, but first, there's too much fuckery on the other side to ignore. Mm. Just a moment ago, the legendary Cokie Roberts passed away. Yes. Hall of Fame broadcaster, extraordinary mm-hmm. journalist. You know, ceiling glass breaker. The, all in of journalism that for women. Great voice, great opinion, mm-hmm. great person. And what was Trump's comment and statement on her passing? I never met her. All about me. Correct. And she was never nice to me. So he never met her, but she was never nice to him. Sorry for your loss, dear Robert's family. She once said... Is the man unable to have empathy? Like, is he devoid of that? Well, he seems pathologically unable to think about others. It immediately, I mean, even on death, it immediately averts to him and how this resounds him. For somebody who's always talking about being nice, he is not nice at all, which you would think that, like, he was like, well, I spread so much niceness, so others should be nice. I mean, Cokie Roberts once said that he was the least competent and qualified <laughs> nominee ever, which is proof of her political acumen, because all that is true. That and her eyes. <laughs> and her ears. <laughs> that she could see. Right, that she could see in here. She talked about she was the only one in her immediate nuclear family who mm-hmm. did not run for Congress. Yeah. Right. And she was in the political process as a media person for many years. This was just not the one. But the Republican attack on people is constant because that was followed up by more fuckery from Michelle Malkin, major conservative media figure. Who was like, yeah, well, you know, at, at the Paley Center, May, Cokie Roberts was big on one of the first to spread fake news. Like, what is, I just don't understand. And I have been talking about this for quite some time about Republicans and these, like, conservative talking heads. I think that they all must have, like, sociopathic tendencies. <laughs> because I really, I, I don't get it. I don't get their inability to have empathy I, with anyone, right. right? So someone dies, 
who was famous, a famous journalist. If you have nothing nice to say, say nothing, right? Like your parents taught you that. You have nothing nice to say, say nothing. The day that Andrew Breitbart died, and I knew Breitbart for a long time. We fought viciously on Twitter. I went on Lawrence O'Donnell's show, Mm -hmm. and I said nice things because the battle is over. The battle with him is over. We could not have disagreed more ideologically. Correct. I thought he was a fraud. I thought he was part of the problem. I thought he was completely wrong about everything. But he died. His body no longer works. The swords are down as far as mm-hmm. him. Now, that doesn't mean that his influence does not continue to be problematic. And I can talk about his legacy as problematic. But at least on that day, it was like, the fight is over. A person has died. You know, let's talk about it. at least he was committed. <laughs> I like how you're trying to pull good things out. Well, he was. I mean, look, when one of the Koch brothers died, I went on Twitter and I said, how unfortunate. But let's not like my mother says this. We don't speak ill of the dead, but we do tell the truth. Right. 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 So I don't want I wouldn't want history to rewrite a narrative about how good a Breitbart was or how good a Koch brother was. Because, in fact, they were very detrimental to our democracy, to our media, and very destructive human beings. But it's a fact to say, which one was it, Charles, Ed, David? I can't remember which one died. One of the Koch brothers. That's why I just said one of them. (laughs) One of them died. I mean, (laughs) As opposed to knowing the name? Facts would be, hey, he's one of the major spreaders of climate denial bullshit. That's a fact. Fact. I don't like him because... Uh, he was never nice to me, is about you. Yes. This is one of the worst people in the country. And on top of that, there was a circus in Congress yesterday when Corey Lewandowski, potential Senate candidate, made a mockery of a hearing. Didn't he launch his campaign right after or right before on Twitter? He posted yesterday... Standupwithcorey.com is now taking donations. Help me get to the Senate. See, the attack on the process is part of their thesis that I want to drain democracy and make government so small we could like what is what is the comment that we could strangle it in a bathtub? Oh, I thought right? or put it in your uterus because <laughs> then that's that's where the government is in mine. I mean, I. Republican-led government. I, I thought that that's why they were trying to shrink it. Oh, my God. But. So what do we have in terms of the organization that is trying to unseat this fuckery and get us back to an actual mature human being as the American president? We have an electorate that is paralyzed by fear. Yes. Fear of another Trump administration mm-hmm. or another Trump presidency. And I understand the fear, mm-hmm. and I feel the fear, but my fear has me going in an entirely different direction than many of my Democratic colleagues. Especially the 49% of black people that are supporting Biden. But well, where is your fear taking you to a right? Well, my we fear is that? saying that I want somebody who Democrats love, right? Mm-hmm. I want to put up a great progressive candidate who is exciting to Democratic voters. Yes. What I see is a lot of Democratic voters saying, we need to get somebody who Trump supporters might vote for, which is kind of like saying, 
let's marry somebody who mom likes, whether or not I like them. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But at least mom will be happy. But mom's not going to be happy. No. Do you remember the movie, He's Just Not That Into You? (laughs) This is the Democrats, like, I don't know, maybe it's their theory of change. They keep going after people that don't fuck with them. Right. They keep going after people that don't want to bring you to the dance. Mm-hmm. They don't like you. Right. He's not that into you. <laughs> the Trump supporter, the MAGA hat wearer, that mysterious person that you say voted in 2008 and 12 for Obama, but then voted for a rabid racist, you know, a couple of years He's later. They're not coming back. They're not coming back. They're not coming back. <sighs> so dance with the people that are at the party with you. There's this magical thinking, which is that all Dems are afraid of another Trump term. So they will all magically show up at the polls whether or not you serve them somebody they want, right? That's a fraudulent did, I'm idea. I'm sorry, did we, I'm having a flashback. Didn't we do that already? We did that. Okay, we I just, that. I want to make we sure. Did, see, this is part of the problem too. We did that, but that redounds to we nominated a woman. We can't do that again. Not, <laughs> not, right. Right. we nominated a moderate we didn't really care about. We can't do that again. So Biden is the mm-hmm. new Hillary, right? Elizabeth Warren is not the new Hillary. No. Kamala Harris is not the new Hillary. No. Biden is the new Hillary. Yes. But we are saying we think Biden has the best chance to beat Trump So because Swing voters and fringe Trump voters will vote for him. And there's some magical data that says that Midwesterners won't vote for a woman or and definitely not for a black person. So here we go. Except when you talk to the Iowa caucus goers on the ground, they will say that they are excited about Elizabeth Warren. The poll numbers say as of late that people are when you're talking about democratic enthusiasm which unfortunately is so critically important so important the nbc news and wall street journal poll said 35% of people are excited about elizabeth warren joe biden comes in second there well let's take a step back and dig into that word excitement cuz yes. i get into a lot of fights on twitter about this a lot of people reject the notion that There needs to be or should be excitement about a candidate as if this is a purely logical decision. All major human decisions from purchasing a car Mm -hmm. to who you're going to marry to what beer you're going to drink tonight to who you're going to vote for for president have an emotional component. Yes. And it is not nearly enough for the Democrats to say you hate him. He's horrible. Vote against him. End of story. We must provide a reason to vote for somebody, somebody who we are excited about. And people like us and maybe people who are listening are so excited about the process in general that they'll show up for any Dem. But what about the others, the people who are at the fringe, who believe in the Democratic Party, but don't follow it, don't watch MSNBC, are not following it? You need to create excitement to get those people to the polls. And tell me what is it about Joe Biden that people are excited about? Nothing. Oh, that's right. They're not. Nothing. I'm telling you. And people will call me a conspiracy theorist, and by all means. I believe that the mainstream media is in cahoots to get Joe Biden elected. They're the ones that pulled him into the I election in the process. 
I believe it because he's I think they would want a more exciting. I mean, like if there was some media conspiracy, they would want a more exciting candidate. Corn Pop Joe is not exciting. Corn Pop Joe. I tell you, I believe because they were polling. They were showing his numbers before he even announced that he was going to be in. And I think that they want this showdown that they think is going to happen between Trump and Biden. And they want to see it play out. These old white men go head to head, go toe to toe. Look, when you say we cannot support a woman for president because Hillary lost and a lot of women are saying that to me on Twitter, you are upholding patriarchy. You are upholding white male supremacy. Yep. And the notion that nobody in this race inspires that sort of enthusiasm is completely bankrupt because, yeah, I watched Obama in the first DNC speech and I was very excited. Mm -hmm. But in 07, nobody thought, wow, here's the once in a generational candidate who will inspire the hell out of America. In 91, no one thought Bill Clinton was Elvis, right? It wasn't until they became the nominee, all the branding, all the spotlight, all the light on them. Then you start to see like, wow, this person is really exciting. I really like this person. But it doesn't just you don't just step into the race and immediately a halo shines down on you. That's the halo that they have put on Joe Biden. They have created this halo around him that he is he's the chosen one. And Mm. I don't understand it because to the point that we consistently make when you ask Biden supporters and I ask them all the time. Why do you like? Why do you like him? What is it about? Because when you ask Bernie Sanders supporters, my God, don't ask them because they will never stop talking. They but got reasons. when you do ask them, they have a litany of reasons. When you ask people, why do you support Warren? Why do you support Booker? Why plans. do you support Harris? They will talk about their plans. They will talk about their energy. They will talk about their past policies that they voted for if they were in Senate. They will talk about all of those things. When you ask Biden supporters, why are you supporting Biden? The only thing that they ever say because he's electable. Because we he's most likely he's to beat Trump. He's most likely to beat Trump. And I said, Why? how? Why? What What points you to that? Polls. Silence. Silence. That's it. Polls. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Nothing points N- them no, to that. There's no idea that people are excited around Joe Biden. There's no past idea that he's associated with, except that he stood beside Barack for eight years. But when we what is Joe Biden's? Big vision and plan for America. Other than nostalgia, I'm going to bring back, we need to bring back the moral compass of America. Other than that, right? Other than restore the integrity of our government agencies, what is Joe Biden's big idea and big plan for progress in America? I don't know. I really don't know. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. 
Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. That to me is and they problematic. Can't, and they can't tell me either. The Biden supporters cannot. I do this same thing on Twitter all the time. Please explain to me why you love Joe Biden. And in your answer, don't use the word Trump. Don't use the word electable. And don't talk about what other voters will Correct. do. And they always want to talk about, well, all Midwestern voters will go for. No, but what about you? Especially you, black woman in a big city. What about you? I tell you that the people that are over 65... And you'll go through these numbers with the people that are over 65 staunchly in Biden's camp. I think it is mm-hmm. based on their fear. I think that it's based on their past experiences. And they're just like, we just need to stick with what works, which to them means white, cisgender, male. That's it. That's that we just you know, need to we just need to stick with what works. Let's not deviate from the course. When you talk to people below that age, though. Everybody is ready for change. Do you think we talk about, oh, and having to go after moderates and having and having to go after this mythical Trump voter that, you know, is going to somehow wake up and decide that, oh, yeah, democracy and progress is what I stand for after, you know, being under Trump's regime for the past three years. But there's nothing that the Trump's Mitch McConnell's have done that is moderate. There's nothing that they have done that has been a slow tick. None of it. Everything has been extreme. So why is it that Democrats always hold on to the idea of moderation? I don't know. In the face of extremism. I think that part of what you're getting at is that Democrats on a deep level believe in the power of government to solve our problems. So they want to be bringing others into the process. They want compromise. They want diversity. Republicans at the base believe that government is the problem, right? At least this modern iteration of the GOP believes government is the problem. Mm -hmm. So send people in there with Molotov cocktails to burn the place down, which sounds exciting, but doesn't actually get anything done. Look, I think in 2012, there was a greater risk tolerance for somebody new, something different. Hillary was not somebody new, but supporting a woman was new and different. Right. This time, there is no risk tolerance, but it's like there's a couple seconds left on the clock. The game's about to end. We're down by two points, and everyone's scared shitless to take the shot. So give it to the safe choice. Joe Biden is not the safe choice. Joe Biden ain't throwing the three-pointer that we need at the the buzzer. Nobody is a safe choice. Let's look at some of these numbers for a second. Steve Kornacki tweeted out a racialized breakdown of Democratic voters yesterday. Among white voters, Warren is getting 28 percent, leading with 28 Mm percent. Joe right behind her within the margin of error at 27. Sanders at 14. Among Hispanic voters, 
Warren, again, 29%, pretty much the same number mm-hmm. with white voters. Mm-hmm. Sanders, second at 25, Biden at 23. So everyone's sort of bunched up together at the top, not that far apart. Among black voters, we have Biden at 49%. Tori, get your people. <laughs> Go get your people. Go get your auntie and them. Go get them. It is my auntie and them. It is your auntie and them. Because it is older black voters who I know. are rolling with Joe, hardcore. Warren is at 13% among black voters. And then Kamala Harris at 10%. So this is a gigantic gap. I mean, like, Warren, Harris, Sanders, Yang, Buttigieg, Booker, and O'Rourke combined don't fuck with Biden among black. What? What? Is Joe black? No. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. He's not even black by association. He's not even black in his understanding of like society and the world. His framework is whack. Like there's nothing that is, there's nothing that says to me, oh yes, Joe Biden is the candidate for black America. Joe Biden is going to, you know, tackle all of the issues such as the racial wealth gap and the public school system and segregation, like that he's going to be the one. So I don't get it. It's a transference in terms of others will support him. Because here's the other poll that I loved or that that was illuminating to me. Kornacki tweeted out, among whites who went to college or Mm -hmm. more, Mm -hmm. Warren leads with 34%, Biden at 23%, so a significant difference there, right? Next is Buttigieg at nine, everybody else in single digits. Among non-college-educated white voters, who is the core of Trump voters, Biden is at 38% and then Warren at 25%. Now, Warren getting that much from non-college-educated white Democratic voters— That says a lot. Says a lot and tells me, yeah, she can get it done in this Rust Belt area, but a lot of people who are non-college-educated whites are supporting Biden— which gives some credence to the theory that perhaps he could speak to Trump voters and peel off some of them. But it's such a weak way of approaching the race that we're going to put up a candidate. Look, you cannot assume that Democratic voters are going to show up. No. I would almost certainly show up. But if Biden was the nominee, I would vote holding holding my nose. You're holding your nose again. We can't do that. 
right? Hillary Clinton got three million more votes than Donald Trump did. How many did Jill Stein get? Four hundred, four hundred thousand, or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So, there were people that did their protest vote. We had the Russians that hacked our system that hasn't been fixed. We can't afford to have people feel like they are holding their noses when walking into the voting booth again. They have to feel like they are voting for something and not just against something because young people and young people of color are going to stay home. And that should be the base that we are rallying instead of chasing behind the mythical, white, uneducated Trump voter that somehow is going to come back because, oh, Biden. Right, right. No, I totally agree with that. I think that almost anybody in the country with a D or an R next to their name will get about 45, 46 percent of the electorate. But we're going to spend a couple billion dollars Mm, to fight mm, mm. over five percent of the electorate. Right. And just and that does not mean the middle of the country. It's not about swing voters anymore. It's about pulling out more of your people. Mm -hmm. Can we get two percent more of of Democratic voters? Can he get two percent more of Republican voters? You know, I knew that we were in trouble last time when we heard about people in the heartland pulling their friends along to vote for Trump. People who had never voted before, excited to vote for Trump. I mean, as much as we hate Trump, he created an excitement about voting for him, unlike pretty much anyone we had seen outside of maybe Obama and, no, definitely not Bill Clinton. I mean, people were excited to vote for Trump. He had enthusiasm. You need to create something like that. You need to give them a reason to vote for you. It is so important. Did Elizabeth Warren not do that when she was just in New York City this past week Mm -hmm. in Washington Washington Square Square Park Park. Mm -hmm. was the shot that I saw. It was jam packed. People waited in line for hours, hours to take a photo with her. Right. She has the energy. She has the energy. She has the policy plans. She has the crowd size. Somebody said to me last night on Twitter, and I keep referring to Twitter because I had a bunch of arguments with people last night, probably in the back of my mind preparing for today and just to see what the other side is saying. Somebody said to me, and I hope he's listening, if you were in an alley fighting against a thug, would you rather have Joe Biden by your side or Elizabeth Warren? And I said, well, first of all, if I was in an alley fighting a thug, I would call the police. (laughs) And then I would go back to the literally symbolic fight for the presidency. There will be no WWE fight between Trump and whoever we nominate. They will never touch each other except to shake hands on the debate stage. Nobody is literally punching anyone else. And I don't need anybody who can be tough enough to physically beat up Trump. That is not the point. Besides the fact that a physical fight between Trump and Biden would be messy and ugly. They're two old men who cannot oh move God. very fast. They can't move. But this, there's this notion of like, we need somebody who is mean and tough and will beat up Trump. Well, you know what? I'll answer. That's your, not I'll what we need. Your, your Twitter person's question, Elizabeth Warren. Mm. I think Elizabeth Warren would kick somebody's ass. <laughs> right? Like I think that she would shout that shout them down, shame them, and then kick their ass. I mean, I think, I think that Joe Biden would somewhere in the middle of the fight fall asleep. I totally agree with that. I think intellectually she will kick some ass, and I don't understand why. 
Joe's debate performances have not been disqualifying. <laughs> he seems to wander around like Grandpa at Thanksgiving like, going, if, if when do I get If there wasn't a podium there, I believe that he would wander around he would the wa- stage. He would have wandered off. Look, a white male Democrat has not won the presidency since 1996. At what point do we say, maybe they're not electable? Maybe we should try something different. (laughs) One woman loses, and we throw out half of the country as unelectable. But we've had a string of losing white male Democrats for well over a decade. And we're still throwing them up there. And And I mean this seriously. At what point does the logic that says... Hillary lost, ergo, I mean, it's this is a syllogism. Hillary lost, mm-hmm. Hillary's a woman, ergo, women cannot win. That does not quality logic. Or another framing is Hillary had the election stolen from her. She didn't run the best campaign. Sure, also true. But the election was stolen. And why is it that the presidency is the only election that we have where the number of votes doesn't actually secure your presidency, right? You vote for a high school president. You vote for a dog catcher. You vote for the best donut. Generally, the most votes wins, right? For everything except for the presidency. So the narrative that we always have around, well, Hillary Clinton lost, and I'm like, but show me where. Voter suppression, Russia, hacking, there's a lot of extra There's a lot of things. But we continue, and we will have this problem next year as well. We continue to have an electoral college problem that progressive voters, Democratic voters, mm-hmm. are clustered into a few cities in America, mm-hmm. and that diminishes our power. And Republican voters are more diffuse throughout the country, which raises their power even though they are smaller in number. Mm-hmm. And, like, yes, if even if we pull out another million people in New York City, that doesn't matter. No. We need to pull out more people in Milwaukee, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Michigan, De- Wisconsin. De- Detroit, mm-hmm. Atlanta. Where is Dallas and Houston? Those sort of people will make a difference. Maybe... You know, Colorado, North Carolina, these sort of people make a difference. But there are so many of us in New York, Chicago, D.C., L.A., and it doesn't matter the more. that We just need to abolish the Electoral College. I would love to see that, but I don't think that's possible because Republicans would never allow it because they know that would be a death knell for them and their party. Do you know what I would like to not allow? Republicans to make the rules, break the rules, and design our electoral system. Don't you love that, that they make the rules and they insist on playing by them when it fits for them? Correct. But when it doesn't, Neil Gorsuch, then they want to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Which is insane. Correct. And no one calls them on it because we are members of a party, in my humble opinion, that is spineless and weak because, I don't know, just imagine if Trump were a Democrat what Republicans would have successfully done right now. But I don't believe we would ever do that. I don't believe we would ever nominate somebody as incompetent and unintelligent and unaware of the actual world but as But if Trump. we did, Torre, if we did, just say Democrats had a lapse in judgment, <laughs> right? Just say that we did. We like the shiny object. We, you know, we decided to anoint a celebrity, 
right? Say John Legend, but, who I like, <laughs> right? And so I'm not saying that he's not smart. He's totally, he's totally likable. But say like, but who, but who, who is a dumb left wing? celebrity who you could because we we might fall for oprah but she's not dumb not dumb we might i mean i could i could see maybe tim cook getting in the race and saying like hey i could fix america he's not dumb also he hasn't fixed the iphone so (laughs) uh he's made the best company in the world okay my iphone can still drop in water and (laughs) and it's done and i still use rice to fix it i saw this I saw like, this come tweet on. the other day. I don't day want him running the country. It said, if I immerse myself in rice, will that fix my life? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which Correct. Is awesome. Correct. I just, you know. I, I, I just, I can't see, and I can't see. We don't fall into cults of personality the way that the right does. We don't challenge science, facts, media, and truth the way the right does. But we also don't challenge destruction, disillusionment, detachment from reality, which is what we are dealing with right now with the Republican Party. And this is the problem. Watching that hearing this week Mm. with Lewandowski, I wanted to rush my hands through the television and strangle his smug goddamn face. Also, why does every Trump person have that smug fucking face? Mm. Like, is that is that? I, I don't know. But Is now, that innate? But now here <laughs> in white conservative men, like they just all come out looking like that. But here's the other question for you, right? Because the day after, when Corey Lewandowski is up on CNN with Chris Cuomo, do you want to reach through the television screen and strangle Corey, or do you want to symbolically strangle Jeff Zucker and say, "Why are you putting him on?" I think it's cute that you said symbolically. <laughs> Good. Uh, good. I know you are on CNN sometimes. Correct. I know your wife is up sure. in there. I don't want to mess up yeah, your happy home. Yeah, let's not do that. But sure, everyone, I believe, that is not telling the truth, that is not doing the work, is complicit in the destruction of our country right now. Every single person, from media network heads to the sycophants of Trump to the Democratic Party that is nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. You had all of recess to prepare for this goddamn hearing. You had all of recess to prepare for this hearing. And you showed up to the presentation talking about the dog ate my homework. Mm. Right? That is the attitude in which they played yesterday. Like they didn't know it was going to be a full-blown stunt. I mean, you know, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have not proven to be the thorn in his side that no. we had hoped that they would be when Nancy came out in the fly orange coat looking badass having beaten him up in the oval office I, I I don't know where they are I don't know what they're doing I hear rumblings of impeachment mhm I don't see it fully force happening yet no because apparently we're still looking for facts we're on a fact finding mission I I don't know. I don't have to look any further than Trump's Twitter handle to know that he's obstructed justice. I don't have Mm -hmm. to look any further than to watch him pitch his Miami resort to know that he doesn't care about the emoluments clause in the Constitution. Like there are just so many things. I don't know what they're looking for. I would like to smack them all upside the head with the Mueller report. Maybe that will jog their memory. It's it's thick. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think we need to figure out what we think about impeachment, whether or not you and I. Oh, did, was I not clear? Whether, 
whether you and I, well, you and I think about impeachment. I think the next time we come together. Oh, yes. We have to argue about impeachment. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we're on the same side on this, but we're going to figure it out. Okay. All right. I'm ready for it. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody-Mel. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>